everybody and thanks for joining us another edition of the bth others podcast after a couple weeks break uh you know and honestly talking uh with my co-host uh, colton chumley before the start of this podcast you know maybe we could have standed uh stood to took a, take another week off for a little light on material this week huh hey man it's all right it's still good to be back still here to it's still good to hear that uh, gorgeous voice over there man <laughs> yeah thanks um yeah this gorgeous this gorgeous voice has been uh, you know been on the road uh the past week if, if you've uh, taken a look at the other 98.com the glorious texas a&m athletic site that both me and uh chum represent here on this podcast i've been you know i've been making the rounds to uh, trying to hit as many you know big high school programs as as i can on a you know, on a limited <laughs> budget uh and, and time constraints trying to trying to check in with a lot of top recruits um, you know, just about, you know, guys that not only uh, Texas A&M is, is offered or is interested in, but, you know, up and comers. This is the time of year during spring football. Uh, you know, we, we've seen some offers go out from from the staff and from other programs. And we'll talk about that here in a little bit. But, uh, you know, generally, this isn't like a super huge recruiting time because honestly, guys don't have a lot of time to squeeze in visits when they're doing, uh, you know, athletic periods during the day and football practices in the afternoon. That's the equivalent of two days at, at some of these schools here. Um, you know, and weather's been messing things up, obviously, for for myself and for some of these programs. So, you know, it's been kind of a kind of a you know a, a down a down period in terms of like you know real significant activity on the recruiting front. But um, you know, still some storylines to get into, and we'll talk about those soon. But you know, let's talk a little bit about uh, some of uh, you know some of the more you know general things we've got going on here. Uh, you know, I've been seeing a lot of tweets about you know how we're only. I guess at this point now we're only, we're less than a hundred days away from the start of the football season. Chum, how hype are you right now, dude? I'm ready. I uh, just uh, caught one of the first uh, hype videos. So typically we'll have four or five of those drop uh, throughout the summer, and I just uh, caught a glimpse of the first one. So pretty pretty fired up, buddy. What you know? What what to you makes a good hype video? What is it that really gets the the hair on your arm standing up, dude? It's got to be the song. Got to be the song. What's your number one hype video song? Ooh. Ooh, dude, put me on the spot. I, I don't know. Last year, I saw one pretty solid with Sicko Mode. That, 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 that was pretty good. It was, was kind of like based around Leon O'Neill, and it, it got dropped uh, right after that first game against Northwestern State. That was, that was pretty solid. But uh, the, the dude we interviewed last year, uh, the, the, the young guy, his, his name's uh, Cold Cheddar. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if you've been introduced to, to the man, the myth, the legend, Cold Cheddar yet, dude. But uh, he's typically going to drop one in mid July that, uh, that that that'll get some traction. So uh, always a good time, man. You got to find something in the off season to sort of uh, you know carry you over, dude. Just get just get your quick little fix in. So I'm with you. The, the music the music is always key. You know, I I saw a um you know I I've seen a couple hype videos for for this team or that kind of appropriating the like the avenger like or like they'll take like the soundtrack from a movie trailer right and, and then they'll like just splice in clips of your football team or whatever instead right like uh, like when suicide squad came out there was one from michigan that was pretty cool i remember that yeah so, so sometimes sometimes those work and sometimes those are like really bad too complete bust <laughs> um but but yeah well you know that's what that's what the internet you know thank god for the internet right that gives us something like that to, to hold us over and keep us excited for uh you know for football season coming well, up Well, what's kind of cool now is as you're seeing guys who they're they'll just basically create their own hype video like zach calzada uh released one yesterday that was awesome 
So, you know, you know we, we got some uh, tidbits here and there, man, to just keep us going in the offseason. Oh man, I'll have to check that one out. Yeah, because uh, you know I'm a you know I dabble in a little bit of video editing. I don't I you know if I had if I had time. See, here's a, here's the problem with you know a lot, a lot of people. The standard is really low, generally speaking, for for people. Uh, you know, in terms of like you can put videos together and put them on the internet, and everybody thinks that they're great. Uh, there's not there's generally not like a real high standard for people. You know, just as long as they see what they want to see in them. Um, you know, for the most part. But when you do a really nice video, you watch a really nice video, you definitely super duper appreciate it. But it just takes so long to like. <laughs> right. Well, that's what I was about to say, dude, is people don't understand the amount of time that goes into those things. And these kids, you know, and these and, and, and from a recruiting perspective, too, you know, these kids that put together like commitment videos and they'll always say, I'm committing it, you know, Friday at six or whatever. And then Friday at six rolls around and everybody's just hitting refresh on their Twitter profile and nothing's coming up. It's probably because like, you know like people people that take video editing seriously like you know it takes it takes a long time to like render and adjust and re-render and see if something works and like you know time things up just right with the you know the song that you're choosing and that's if you like really care about it so so then these kids end up like posting their stuff like you know hours after the fact and everybody's like I could have had dinner or something you know I, back when back when I was you know focused on kids committing to every school as opposed to just uh to just one school that was that was really something that gr- you know grinded my gears ground my gears dude you know you, know, you, you just hit on something and you and I have both talked about it before like we're both very pro Leon O'Neill on this uh podcast yeah but dude I gotta get your take on his commitment video what was that twin last spring I guess <laughs> where he was carjacking dude some- <laughs> like uh don't, don't get me wrong like i love the fact the kid wanted to do something that no one else has really done before oh but brother dude too much well, the you know like i like i had posted um th- there was one kid that you know a while ago i had a tweet that you know it, when i it, people that get on their high horse you're never going to get like a, a viral reaction from people in terms of like you know, a, a heavy, a heavy amount of agreeance or, or anything like that. But, you know, there, there was one kid I tweeted out the other day. This one kid had a had an edit done. He committed to TCU and he uh, maybe we talked about this. I can't even remember, but but he committed to TCU and he uh, basically had somebody do who who and every every school, every football department now has at least like a part time social media photo edit maker, essentially. Right. Um, and somebody who does like legitimately does part-time graphics work for TCU did this kid's commitment graphic. Uh, but, but he took the, he took a picture of a rap album where somebody is like holding a stack of hundred dollar bills up to his head. Like he's talking on a cell phone (laughs) and, um, which is like, which is clearly like an album cover and I can't even tell you who it is, but I mean, like, you know, I, I looked at, I took one look at it and even without knowing it was a rap album cover, knew it was a rap album cover, right? And I knew that they were just referencing that. But like when you're talking about a recruit committing to a school, it's I, it's like generally not a good look to be including a stack of cash in the graphic, right? I mean, that just insinuates something that... Hey, <laughs> come investigate me, please. <laughs> right. So, and, 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 and the same thing can be said for, for Leon's commitment video. It's like, you know, everybody wants to talk about character issues and here he is in the first, you know, five seconds of his like commitment boosting video. Boosting cars. Yeah. Right. Um, but, but, you know, I mean, 
and 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 if any other kid, if any other stranger recruit did this for his school and we didn't know him and we saw that video, we might have a you know, we might have the same high horsey type reaction, but obviously when you cover a, a guy like Leon O'Neill and you and you talk to him as much as I did, I mean, you you there's nothing about him I mean, he's is like he's like transparent to a fault. He's open to a fault, like he's outspoken to a fault, right? But he's unapologetic about it. And everything about him, everything about him is is what it is. And if he wants to put that out there, it's because he's proud of like the person that he is now. And if and if that's you know if that's a point of pride for him, you know, good good for you. But uh, but yeah, I mean, for for just like the average Joe watching that video without knowing who he is, <laughs> right. especially and, and not that a Texas fan wouldn't have known who Leon O'Neill is, but can you imagine like? A Texas fan seeing a kid committing to Texas A and M with a video about carjacking, <laughs> you know, like what he would say about it, right? Hey, so. like, like you said, though, dude, that, that's a really good point. Like Leon is who he is, like very authentic, dude. You, you, you're getting what you get, and uh, you know he, he's not not afraid to, to shy away from who he is, which is awesome. But uh, another video, dude, I don't know if you caught this one, but it was uh, it wasn't Jordan. I think it was Josh Moore. Um, his commitment video last year, I think, when he originally signed with uh, Nebraska was actually fantastic you know that they talked about a, a lot of stuff that's happened with their family and so so you know there are my, my point here is that there are some of those videos that are done really well and you know well, they no, take wait a the second. Time to get wait a second. wait a second though that that was the one that was the one he committed to nebraska he was at his like dad's grave though right right i think so i think so which which is like which is fine if you want to do that but he ultimately ended up committing and signing with texas right, right. So it's like you burned, like you can't go make another commitment video. Like that's a heavy thing to bring into your commitment video. So what are you going to do? So like you couldn't go, you, for the team that you actually ended up going to play for, you like, you don't get, you don't get a video at all because you burned like the moment going to your dad's grave site, you know, on the, on the team that you're no longer committed to that. That was, uh. You know, they, right? But I mean, dude, you know how these kids get, bro. I mean, they're, they're going to get caught up in the moment, and and you know things change. So I understand it, right? Like like in hindsight, it's twenty twenty. Like, yeah, obviously that's not not a great look, and not something that he's probably you know happy about now. But I mean, it can't, can't really fault him for that. I mean, jo- Josh, bo- both Josh and Jordan were like two of the nicest dudes I've ever oh, covered. Oh, So like, yeah. I'll never say a bad thing about him, but uh, except for that was unlucky. And if he would have known that. Yeah, honestly, if he would have known that Scott Frost was going to end up being the coach in Nebraska, maybe he wouldn't have, have uh, decommitted anyway. Um, right. con- considering you know what Scott Frost ended up being at the time that he left UCF, um, we'll see how how they look. Uh, Dude, how they were, look were you season. surprised at what a train wreck that was up there this year? No, because. Um, any any coach any coach gets a any coach gets a any new coach that comes in with the sort of of clout that a Scott Frost or a Tom Herman or a Jimbo Fisher or any of these guys get, you know when they're when they're like the big hire uh, coming. I always say I always say coaches get fired for a reason, right? right? And and he's and he's he's it's his first year on a team that essentially wasn't his. You know he's he's making the best of what he can with somebody else's guys. Um, you know, you know and, I mean, and, they, the, and they, the last time I could ever remember, uh, I guess what what you call a splash hire working so badly in year one would have to be Rich Rod at Michigan. Well, well, that's true. Or uh, yeah, but but the um, but but I I don't think it really was like a total failure because I mean, really, you, you know, you think about it, they they signed they signed a freshman quarterback to essentially come in and be the starter, and then he got hurt, 
uh, early in the year and missed a big chunk of the middle of the year. And then he came back and then things started turning around for him at the end of the season. Um, what what'd they finish up as? Weren't they four and eight or, or did they hit five and seven? I don't remember. I, I just remember that even I, I just remember those last those last five games, you know, it was a situation where they looked like a completely different team versus right. um, you know, versus how they started the year. And I would expect, you know, you'd expect improvement this year too. Although I did listen, do you, do you listen to the solid verbal or no? Uh, I don't know. Uh well they were doing they were just doing some they were just doing some very early like betting lines for um, you know, bets that they would take. And I think the over under for Nebraska this year was eight games and they took the under. So, um, damn over under at eight. Yeah, but I, but I got to take a look at their schedule. We, you and me, you, you know, as we, as we were saying before we started the show, how we needed material, maybe, maybe you and me should start brainstorming, um, just universal college football, um, you know, kind of preview type stuff that we can get into because, uh, you know, I love talking about that kind of stuff. Hey dude, you know, I'm a gambling man. I'm ready. Oh man, you and me both, and, and you know it's and really the only success that I have gambling is on fo- on college football. So, uh, so we should get into that. I recommend taking our advice once we once we get into that. Maybe we can start doing that next week. Um, okay, well let's uh you know let's get right in. Oh, oh oh real quick too. I mean, should we talk about? Uh, d- did you watch Game of Thrones? I finally got all caught up. You know, two episodes left to go in the in the final season. I got caught up. I watched the final episode and all. Dude, that Dude, for stuff. the love of God, you started like a month ago and you jammed eight seasons in. I think I I think I watched it all. Yeah, within the span of two and a half three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> that is one of the grossest things you've ever said on this podcast. I mean, I'm not really one to do a lot of binge watching, right? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't do. There's not a lot of shows that I do that for. Um, but I figured this was like a big enough cultural phenomenon that I should probably. Right. right. Well, you know that that was our thing, dude. So, like, me and the girlfriend actually just started uh last week dude so now we're on i think the last episode of season one maybe maybe we got two episodes left can't remember exactly right and, mm-hmm. and it's good I mean, I mean don't get me wrong i i don't dislike it but the fact that everybody have has just lost their minds about this i just don't get it man maybe, maybe i need to get like deeper into it but well, i mean i could so- name four or five shows that are better than this right now <laughs> well i don't really I, yeah i mean i don't really think of it that way like i like when i watch something you know i if i enjoy it i'll keep watching it you know I, you're talking to somebody who watches a lot of really bad netflix horror movies you know <laughs> so like so like if i you know like it doesn't take a lot for you know I, i'm a i'm a pass fail kind of guy i don't i don't get into the the nuance and all that stuff i will say that um from my experience watching the show all at once in short order with each other like i think I think I I would I I'm inherently like less bitter about all the critiques and stuff that everybody has about it because right. you know when you're when you're waiting for when you're waiting each week for one episode and then you have like a se- like the off season before the new season starts right so you hype it up a lot more right you hype it up the anticipation's greater you know every episode means more in the moment whereas like if you're just flying through them it's like whatever happens you're just like oh, okay sure that's the progression of things now well so, wait didn't they i saw something about this on twitter man and i've tried to you know cleanse my, my twitter feed as much as i can uh because i have so many spoilers just getting like thrown in my face since i just started the show but uh didn't they shoot like six episodes over like an 18 month span that was it I, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know about all that. And and even if you to, even you telling me that, I like I have no idea if that's supposed to be a short turnaround or a long turnaround. I don't, right. <laughs> for shooting something like that. Right. I mean, there there were there were a lot of people really 
Um, my my main gripe with with the final season was, you know, I mean, if you want to talk about pacing, you spend seven seasons leading up to, um, you know, a conclusion, and then you know all the all the conclusion type things all happen in such a short period of time relative to like the amount of time the rest of the show has gone on for, which is you know which is a little which is a little crazy, but um, right, well, that, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I think most of the seasons were 10 to 12 episodes, uh, 10 to 12 episodes or, or whatever yeah. it was. And this last one's only six. I mean, that's kind of wild. Yeah. They, they, the seasons got shorter, but the episodes got longer within okay. the season. So, uh, but anyway, so, so, you know, I mean, it was what it was. Uh, there were still some really cool, like uh, there were still some really cool, like visuals and, you know, metal sequences as I like to call them, uh, you know, down, down the stretch in the final in the final moments, which is always cool for me. So, uh, whatever, you know, it's Dude, over. I, I, don't I had to, to legitimately unfollow Alex Caruso. Cause I don't know if you know, Caruso or not a point guard for Lakers, Aggie great, but dude live tweeted every episode. Oh really? Wow. Every episode, dude. Um, all right, let's, let's get into, uh, let's get into some more Aggie centric, uh, type conversation now, you know, just, just, uh, before we started the pod, uh, I just took a, uh, look at a tweet by uh, Pro Football Talk that you know. I guess this. I guess this information comes out when it comes out. But um, you know, Mike Elko, defensive coordinator for Texas A and M, was reportedly uh, has reportedly made over two million dollars in salary uh, this past season. Uh, so we can, you know, I, I also heard. I think I also heard though in an unrelated uh, tweet that d- d- didn't he only sign like a one year contract when he came to AM? I mean, we're all, ex- or, or did he, or was it that he was working before he signed? Cause I think Jimbo was doing that too. Right. You know, it, it was something along the lines of that. He didn't officially sign. And, and that's why people were losing their minds. Uh, mm-hmm. but, but, but from what I understand, he signed an extension. So, I mean, I need to double down and, and check that out. But at, at the end of the day, you know, people who are upset about this are nuts to me. I mean, you look at, what that guy did in one year of work and not only just at A&M, but his track record dating back to his time at Wake Forest. I mean, talk about doing more of less. Uh, I mean, the, the guy absolutely transcended A&M's front seven last season. And, and it, you know, it, obviously it helps when you're inheriting guys like, you know, who have been there a while, like a Tyrell Dotson, a Tara Laka, Kings of Kiki, that those type of guys. But now look what he's gearing up for with year two. I mean, I just posted an article just the other day about you know A and M's depth chart, and you have guys ready to take that mantle like a Jaden Peavy or you know an Anthony Hines coming back from injury. I mean, there's a lot of players on this team that I'm really excited because this is going to be their first time to get consistent playing time, and we've seen what these guys can do in limited bursts. So uh, you know, Buddy Johnson's another guy that comes to mind as well. So I mean, uh, I- I'm excited to see what Elko can do in year two. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I guess uh, I was going to ask you, you know, is that a big deal or, or are you upset about it? But it sounds like you're fully in favor of of paying the man. Dude, if you got the money, spend it, man. <laughs> OK, well, well, I, 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 hey, dude, I, I'm not I'm not the most fu- uh, financially, uh, you, you know, fiscally responsible, I guess. But <laughs> I, I mean, homie, if you got a 20 burning in your pocket, dude, you go get you some. Uh, speaking of recruiting and the job that assistant coaches do, let's let's talk a little bit about uh, you know some things to keep an eye on going forward here. Uh, I want to I want to preface uh, our big recruiting topic here by a little story uh, that just happened when you and me were talking uh, before we started recording. You had said let's talk a little bit more about Haynes King, which is fine. We brought him up a couple weeks ago after he had been offered by A and M. Um, since then. Um, Malik Hornsby, the former 2020 uh, A&M 
uh, quarterback commit had, you know, kind of backed off his uh, backed off his commitment to the Aggies and and has committed to UNC, where he took his first and only official visit so far. Uh, did so days after telling me that he was going to take an official to Oregon and was looking at Florida State, et cetera, et cetera. A and M was still in the picture, so on and so forth. So you know, I'm not, yeah, I'm not, <laughs> not bitter not at crazy, all. Crazy about him doing. That. Well, I mean, you know, like I, it wouldn't have bothered me. I was already, I was already making the rounds in Houston. If you would have just told me from the jump, I'm committing to UNC in two days. Uh, we don't need to talk. I would have been like, all right, you know, because I, I can just go to another school or something. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, dude, you know? I mean, Malik's a guy who's handled his recruitment a little weird, man. I mean, uh, it, it, it's just kind of been an odd dynamic for for a while now. Well, where I screwed up. I should have done, you know, I when, when he he was like emphatic about saying that he was going to go to Oregon on an official visit. And, you know, and, and the way that he I mean, the way that he was so like resolute in saying that to me, I was like, all right, well, that seems like, a, you know, that seems like something he's he's really wants to do. And when kids tell me from, you know, here in Texas that they want to go take a, a visit to Oregon, especially an official one where it's paid for, I tend to believe them because that's not an easy trip for a lot of kids to make, um, especially on their own. So, you know, so when so, so when they're making the arrangements and paying for them to go out there, I generally tend to think that that's something that they're pretty serious about doing. Uh, I didn't realize, you know, that what's the kid? I think his last name is Butterfield. That Oregon just got a 2020 quarterback, a four star quarterback commit like, you know, four days or whatever before I had talked to Malik. And, and it's still not I mean, it's still not unreasonable to think that just because they have a quarterback commit that they wouldn't host Malik on an official out there. Um, you, you know, I mean, it's not like, you know, it's not like any commitment set in stone, even if it's a, even if it's a quarterback and you're only taking one in your class. I mean, we see, you know, we see them decommit anyway. Well, especially, um, you know, when he plays on a team that's stocked full of, you know, power five guys. Right. So, you know, but, but anyway, so, um, you know, so that, that's kind of, that's kind of where I messed up. If I would have taken a look at that, I might've, I might've been a little bit more speculative. I mean, I, I, I had heard from others, you know, throughout Malik's recruitment that Florida state was a school that he was keeping in the back of his mind as well. Uh, and considering the, you know, the general lack of depth they have at the quarterback position and, um, you know, what, you know, and, and going back to our previous conversation about, failure head coaches in their first year. I mean, you know, a lot of people have written off Willie Taggart, but again, I mean, he was, he was trying to fit a, a square peg into a round hole last season for the most part. Um, you know, so, so we'll see what they come back with this year, but you would have thought that, you know, if there was an opportunity there, you know, that he thought was, was significant, he would have taken a look at it, but you know, I mean, he was, Hornsby was always real close with uh, coach Brewster. That's one thing he was very honest with me about from a while ago. And you know, he's at North Carolina now. And, you know, there's a bit of Texas culture there with with Mac Brown being the new head coach. A lot of excitement around the program, um, you know, so so it's understandable for for him to have made that decision. But that brings us to <laughs> that brings us to Haynes King. Well, where you're before like, we get on to, to King, dude, I, I got to ask you one thing. Okay. Um, how often or not how often, but but how many other times has something like this happened, dude, where you have a story teed up, a uh, kid tells you one thing and then 20 minutes later, you know, pulls the trigger for another place? Well, th- I mean, so so I posted that story the day after I had talked to him. So 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 it was there was a little bit more time in between that, even though the story got posted on the same day that he ended up eventually committing to UNC. So it looked a little worse than it was for me. But that's also what I said in the comment section of that story. I mean, that's completely, you know, uh, like me and Malik get along well, but that doesn't mean that that doesn't. But but I don't 
you know, if, if a kid doesn't, if a kid wants to protect his, you know, what's going on in his recruitment, that's between him and himself. And it doesn't matter how friendly you are with the recruit, you know, as you've right. dealt with them through coming up through the, the ranks or whatever. So, um, so if that's how he wanted to play it, that's up to him. I mean, there's nothing any of us can do about that. I mean, it, you know, I said that in the comedy section, like that's not the first time that's happened to me or other recruiting reporters. It won't be the last by a long shot. You know what I mean? So it's, you know, it's, it's unfortunate. It looks a little, it looks hokey, you know, on my end, but, um, you yeah, know, well, I mean, you're you're in this business. A lot of times we're at the mercy of the kids, dude. I mean, there's nothing exactly. else we can really do about it. Yeah. And I don't know Tim Brewster. I mean, I, you know, I can't, I can't give him a call and, and fact check Hornsby. And I wouldn't do that anyway, after just like one basic uh, recruiting up there. I'm not going to, you know, even if I had that sort of relationship with the sources or coaches within the program, I'm not going to write an update before I write every update on a kid. I'm not going to try and double check with every trainer or whoever to make sure that he's not BSing me. I would never get anything done. So, I mean, recruiting, I've said it a hundred times before recruiting reporting is, is basically just driving gossip. I mean, that's all it is because, you know, we, I was joking around with, uh, I was joking around with another recruiting reporter. We, we, I, I, when I was out at North shore, uh, you know, last week or the week before, you know, it was me, it was me and a, one of the reporters from 24 seven. And we were talking about Zach Evans and, you know, and the, and the sort of the sort of sound bites that you get from him, and he was telling me about like how Evans would just go. He he would do sep- separate. I, I think he was talking about the the opening camp in Houston. How Evans did you know four different interviews, and with, with four different reporters, they all came together after to compare notes, and he had told each single one of them that, you know, a different school was, you know, had the upper hand in his recruitment, you know what I mean? So, and, and, and that's, and, and honestly, I mean, Evans might not have even known that he did that. Like I'm, that might not have even been like a malicious thing by him, you know, or a way to like smoke screen reporters. I don't think kids even care that much about that. You know what I mean? Like they just talk, you ask, you, you set them up with a question and then that's what's in their head and they just start talking. And then that's what, those are the sound bites that you end up with, you know what I mean? So, um, you know, right. so and, that, and, you know, not every single one of these dudes are media trained, kind of like, you know, a Leon was or, you know, you know, Jordan Moore or, or, or any of these guys have been in recent years. And I think that it's, it's one of those things where, like you say, man, I mean, they, they kind of get stuck on a talking point and don't really know how to back off of it sometimes. Yeah, right. Exactly. So. Um, so anyway, but 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 Hornsby's off the board. He it was really. Can I talk about King now? Am I- <laughs> oh, hey, dude, green light. Let's go. Well, because before he committed, right, that he, it was only as far as all the quarterback offers go in 2020 for Texas A&M, it was just Hornsby and King that were open on their recruiting board. Everybody else had committed. I think that that DJ didn't DJ. Yeah, you uh, Yaley or however the hell you say his name. Uh, uh, he inked with Clemson, I believe. Well, you got you got to stop saying signed, bro. Nobody signed yet. <laughs> Fair enough. He committed. He committed. Um, but but anyway, but yes. Yeah, so so it just it was it was King and uh, Hornsby were the only two quarterback prospects that hadn't committed that that A and M has offered in twenty twenty. King is the only one that's left on the board now. He's also their most recent quarterback offer. But yeah, I, I like, like, like I was saying uh, before we started recording, you're like, oh yeah, everybody's talking about him being the take now. Well, yeah, I mean, they don't have. The, he's the only guy available. <laughs> the only guy available right now for Texas A and M, unless they find somebody else uh, that that they want to offer in this class. And you know, I mean, there's. 
I, I don't even, I, you know, I don't even know who I could could suggest might might be a guy. Maybe if you consider Jaquindon Jackson uh, out at Duncanville to be a quarterback, which not a lot of people do at this point. Um, there's just not a lot of other 2020 quarterbacks in the state that uh, you know are kind of talked about in the same in the same sort of uh, you know capacity as a Haynes King. Well, or you know, I, I will say this: I think that they've shown they're not afraid to go out of state to sign a quarterback. I mean, you look at a James Foster or a Calzada. But uh, I, my question for you is this, though: obviously, King Hornsby, th- those are your, are your one one A one B guys, however you want to order it. But who do you think has the higher ceiling? Um, well, I think it kind of depends on how you look at it. I mean, I think that I, I think that the most, I, I guess I would say the, the most big play potential potential and the most versatility is Malik Hornsby. I know a lot of people say that, oh, you know, Haynes King has, has just as good, if not better testing numbers than, than, uh, Hornsby does, you know, speed and agility wise. But I, but I don't think that he's. I don't think that he is as much of a, uh, uh, you know, a game. A, right. You know, a game I don't think he's as dynamic for sure. On, right. On a play by play basis. He's definitely a heady player, though. And and I think I think when you when you listen to what honestly, it's it's kind of disappointing for A&M that they didn't offer Haynes King sooner, because I think when you listen to Jimbo, not not that it not that this means that they're behind in his recruitment or anything like that, but um but when you listen to the way Jimbo talked about Zach Calzada uh, after after signing day last year, I mean, you could apply a lot of the same things that he was saying about Calzada, a lot of the same compliments to Haynes King. And I, and, I mean, just looking, you know, if you want to talk about a, a baseline um, baseline factor that we can kind of apply to both players, you know, Haynes King's ranking – coming out of high school at this point is only going to go up and, and it's higher than Zach Calzada's ever was. So already. So, um, you know, so if you, if, 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 if you bought the Kool-Aid on, on what Jimbo was saying about Calzada coming out of signing day last year, um, apply all of that towards Haynes King and multiply it by whatever the difference in his ranking is. And then you've got that much better of a prospect, I think. So, um, so I think he's definitely the type of guy that the Jimbo would like to have probably, you know, and, and we talk about Malik, potentially being the more dynamic player on any given play than than Haynes but I think I think Haynes is probably a more dynamic versatile player than Kellen Mond is at quarterback so right. well you know I think uh, comparing Haynes and Hornsby I, I think uh what what you really see is that King is a much more polished quarterback I think from the pocket in terms of uh you know being able being able to sit back and and, and read the defense and go through his progressions you know as as I think that Hornsby, like we said, is is a guy who he can make a big play at any moment, but I think he still has a lot of work, uh, you know, to get done in terms of where he's at as a passer. Yeah, I mean, the and and truthfully too, I mean, there, there's a lot of controversy about uh, you know how 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 good Malik actually is as a pure quarterback and and what the implications of 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 the team that he plays for and in Fort Ben Marshall versus Haynes King playing for his dad in Longview and two pretty different offensive uh, philosophies and passing uh, philosophies. You know, I, it's, it's tough for me to, you know, it's tough for me to say, you know, just based on, you know, based on both of them right now and their given situations, um, 
you know what what Malik wouldn't be able to do in a long view offense versus uh, versus what he's asked to do in the Marshall offense. So. Um, you know, e- either way, I think it's a good pickup for UNC. I mean, UNC is kind of, you know, they, they were good a couple of years ago and then had a, you know, took a pretty steep downturn. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see what um, Mac Brown can do after after being out of the game for a while. Um, but but Malik is is totally the, the sort of guy that you want to have uh, as the face of, uh, you know, recruiting class as a new coach. So um, what's Mac been out know, of the game for what, seven years? Mm. I mean, as long, yeah, at least that much. Yeah. I mean, as long as, uh, as long as I've been doing this, I believe. So it has to be probably around that long. But um, I'm not the college football historian that that you are, uh, chum. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, hey, in fact, I I'm you know I'm barely a historian of my own last week. So <laughs> there you go. So asking me to remember what happened seven years ago for a team that I didn't care about. <laughs> but if it's about the Orlando Magic, you're the guy, dude. <laughs> yeah, even that's debatable. I mean, seven years is a long time, dude. I, I've had a lot of beer since then, Chum, <laughs> as, you, as you can relate to. <laughs> so, um, you know, but but uh, stay. So, so we'll see what happens with uh, with Haynes. I mean, I'm sure he'll be out. Uh, I'll be he'll be out in June because you know we've t- we talked uh, last time after he was offered. You know, he has a pretty solid offer list so far of uh, SEC teams, but I, I would expect him to want to uh, you know come out come out in June. And uh, see what Texas A&M has to offer, and throw for Jimbo, and and so on and so forth, and and kind of take it from there. So moving on into June, though, is uh, you know is where really things are going to start heating up. I think on the recruiting front, because you know you and me were talking before. Obviously, uh, in the summer, there's a couple of camps, elite prospect camps that that uh, that the team is going to do. A couple of uh, big recruiting events in terms of barbecues and pool parties, and so on and so forth. Um, you know, but uh, we and we had talked a little bit about some of the official visitors that we have uh, coming up. You know, and that hasn't changed. However, and you want to talk, you want to talk about me beating my own drum here, Chum. I reported first and only so far uh, that Seth McGowan is is due to take his official visit uh, the first weekend of uh, June, uh, the first full weekend of June. Uh, the sat- Saturday is the second, I believe, uh, or. June first is Saturday or something. So, so he'll be he'll be in College Station uh, for the weekend of June seventh, which is a which is a huge official visit. I'm still the only person that seems to know that's been going on, even though I published it. It's on the record. Him saying it. Uh, other recruiting sites haven't picked that up yet. Um, and have and and the sky is falling on other recruiting sites, uh, other Texas A&M recruiting sites, thinking that um, McGowan is 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 gone. Good is gone to to Oklahoma because they. Have not read my story and don't know that he's going to take the <laughs> the entire time. I picture you saying this. You're just flashing the championship belts on around your way. <laughs> Listen, I don't. I, I'm not. I, I don't break a ton of news, but when I do, I'm going to let you know about it. So, um, my man. Well, be, well, and and it's important too because it's like he he just took his official visit to Georgia this past weekend, you know. And one of the things that he told me when I was at to see him, he's like, you know, I I've got I've got this visit scheduled to A and M on June seventh. I've got USC at the end of June, um, but I don't necessarily need to wait until I take all of those visits to commit. He hasn't committed after the visit to Georgia, so it stands to reason he still plans to take that uh, that visit to A and M. So Aggies fans, uh, you know, until further notice. 
uh, need to be believing that he's going to be taking that official visit. And once that weekend gets here, cross those fingers hard, uh, you know, that he's going to see what he needs to see, uh, you know, to make that to make that commitment. Part of the reason that I brought up to you, you know, we were talking a little bit before about uh, Vernon Jackson's injury. And you and me have talked a little bit before about, you know, what the depth chart is going to look like at running back next season. Um, I mean, if if I'm if I'm Seth McGowan, you know, I mean, just I've I've talked to him before about the potential of of committing to uh, to A and M as they've as A and M has re- obviously recruited Zach Evans, and he's he was unfazed by it, and he should be because Evans isn't committed. There's no clear indication that he's going to commit to A and M, and even if he was, that's not supposed to happen until the end of next season anyway. Uh, whereas McGowan is ready to commit in the summer. You look at Oklahoma, they've got a stable of running backs already. They've already, And Jace McClellan is, as far as I know, still committed to Oklahoma as well. Um, you look at Georgia, who already has like 14 people in their recruiting class, I believe. I haven't looked to see if they've got a running back in there already. But I mean, you know, if he was depth chart watching, if he was looking at other, uh, you know, other, other commitments in other classes... Texas A&M is still the most attractive option for him unless he has unless he has a bug up his butt to go to California, right? Well, you, you know, uh, uh, one thing in particular to keep an eye on, and, and I agree with all of your points there, I think that from a depth chart standpoint, obviously uh, there's a lot of unproven guys on A&M's roster right now. I mean, Deshaun Corbin had some flashes last year. We'll see what he can churn out this, uh, this coming season as a sophomore. Um, but, you know, Scheduling that official visit is so important for this staff because you saw what they're capable of when they can get a guy on campus. And, and I think that's something that Kevin Sumlin's staff struggled with so much was getting a guy on campus and then not getting him to be able to pull the trigger. Right. And, and that is something that this staff has thrived on. Mm-hmm. And and uh, Seth is a, like a real thoughtful dude. So, you know, I think I think he's really, you know, he said he said that he if you felt uh if he felt the urge to commit after a visit he would do it but i don't think that he would do it without respect to you know everything that he knows about things you know he's not going to be a victim of the moment and and by the way so mcclellan is still definitely committed to oklahoma georgia however does not have a running back committed in this class uh you know so so georgia so georgia probably georgia probably gave him something to think about uh considering their their recent history of of producing uh, top running back talent, and you know, I know Holyfield uh, was in the draft um, this this past year. I'm not sure what they have coming back on the on their depth chart as far as. Yeah, they've had they they have had a stable since uh, Kirby's taken over. Yeah, so and and they're going to continue, you know, to recruit everywhere around the southeast. I mean, I just think that, you know, I, I'm not going to say that A and M, if A and M locked up the commitment of of McGowan, I'm not going to say that they're going to stop recruiting Zach Evans, right? Um, but, I mean, I would much rather, I would much rather between the two of them. I I just again, I'll I'll just say like I think the gap in talent between McGowan and Evans isn't so great that if you got the commitment from McGowan, I would just work on keeping him in the class versus you know, trying to go bird in hand. I mean, yeah, you know what I mean? Because, uh, you know, because, because Evans, you know, as much as I, as much as I like Zach and he, you know, he's, he's a, he's a clear top talent, you know, I mean, is it, is it worth going through all the, you know, all the, whatever you want to call it to, 
you know, just to kind of stay in the picture for the sake of grabbing the number one recruit in the country. I don't know. Right. Well, you know, jump, jumping through hoops and, and, and entering that circus. Yeah. is, is going to be a difficult run. And, and, you know, say you do uh, secure a commitment from Seth. Uh, do you risk losing it or losing ground with him to sign a kid that it's still essentially, you know, a crapshoot? Yeah. So but for, fortunately, either way, I mean, um, you know, Seth, Seth is is whether he takes ultimately ends up taking the uh, USC visit or the AM visit for that matter uh, next month, he's going to have taken all of the officials uh, that he plans on taking, you know, this, this summer. I mean, obviously he'll still have, he'll, he'll have one in the back pocket in case something, um, you know, something big changes, but uh, you know, for the most part you would expect him to, you know, to kind of stick by that commitment that he would make after the summer. Um Another name that another name that you and me have talked about a lot is um, you know Chad Lindbergh, and it seems like you know it seems like the Aggies are still kind of hanging around in the picture there. Um, still, still maybe not making as much of a move up his uh, you know in, in his within his recruitment as uh, they probably would would like to. But but he seems like uh, you know we we saw him come out for for a visit earlier this spring and it seems like he's uh ready to make another visit out here in june again so you know i mean just from from your outside i mean your perspective on him is probably as good as mine at this point i mean what do you think the prospects are of kind of reeling him in a little bit closer well i think it's just it's uh it's important to stay in the picture for a guy like that you know a, a player of his caliber man but uh from everything i've gathered and and just kind of from the outside looking in here i still think that texas is the team to beat as of today, I mean, we've seen we've seen a guy like Chris Morris. Uh, we've seen a couple other guys, uh, Cedric Van Pan, uh, Van Pran, excuse me, the the interior Louisiana uh, offensive lineman just recently put a And M in his top eight today, I believe. Um, you, you know, they, who do you think? How many how many kids do you think end up making up this offensive line group in in the twenty twenty recruiting class? And who do you who do you think the names ultimately end up being? Man, I think it's still so wide open right now, man. Obviously. Uh, you know, I think that Smart stays committed. I think that 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 he'll be there. He's a lock, and but man, outside of him and Bankhead, it, it's 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 a crapshoot, man. I mean, A and M's in in with some high caliber guys, but I mean, they're they're they are in a battle for a guy like Lindbergh. They're in a bat. I mean, you know, I think that Chris Morris or, or is it Chase Morris? Chris. Chris, Chris, right? Uh, you know, you know, from what I've gathered, I think that Chris is is a guy who they believe they can sign, um, mm-hmm. and, and so it wouldn't shock me if he's ultimately in the fold. Um, but outside of there, man, it's uh, I, I'm not confident enough to say, uh, you know, one way or another at this point. And and don't forget, uh, as I first reported as well earlier this spring, Andrew Rame, the highly ranked offensive lineman out of Oklahoma, Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, uh, replaced. Notre Dame with Texas A&M in his top five too, and ha- has that connection to Coach Hanson, uh, Coach Hanson right. as well. So, so all those guys would be, you know, I mean, you're talking about uh, bo- both Morris. I mean, forget Lindbergh at the moment. I mean, j- just Morris and Ram alone uh, are are top uh, 250 prospects. I think Ram is like a top 75 guy, um, and you add, you add them to a you know a, a guy like uh, Bankhead who's you know, say, say whatever you think he's going to be as far as a, a a player is concerned. I mean, you know, he's he's really like the Leon O'Neill of this class. You know, so that 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 counts for something in itself. And you know, if, if Smart stays committed, 
um, you know, that'll be a, that'll be a big win as well because he seems to be pretty versatile too. So, right. And, and you know, uh, speaking of O-Lyman, it looks like uh, Jordan Jefferson's starting to warm back up to, uh, to A&M. Obviously there is a lot of talk that, uh, you know, he could potentially back out on his pledge and, uh, he met up with Josh Henson, uh, Coach Henson, man, I guess two weeks ago, maybe less. And, uh, you know, I got positive reports back on him. So uh, it, it'll be interesting to see how, how the how the O-line class shakes out, man. I mean, how, what what number, uh, you know, do you think they take five? Do you think they take six, four? I mean, how many guys do you think they ultimately sign? Well, I mean, you you know, we've we talked we talked a couple weeks ago about Coach Fisher saying that he, you know, he expects us to be a tw- no more than a 25 person recruiting class. And, uh, and, and so I don't, I don't think that they, I don't think they should take five considering the, you know, considering the number of offensive linemen they already have and, uh, what they have coming back. And, um, but I think if, if we're talking about, you know, if we're, if we're talking about guys like Morris Lindbergh and, and Raym all wanting to commit, I mean, you know, I've, I've, I've always said like, take the best guys that you can get and make it work. Right. I mean, especially as something as important as offensive line, uh, when you have a new offensive line coach in his, in his first year with the program, you know, and you're essentially a team that has created an identity as a, as a, as a power run, you know, play action, throw to the tight end type offense. You know, I think the offensive linemen is, is, are going to be the heartbeat of your recruiting class. And, And so if you can get those top flight guys, I think they should, that should be your number one priority. I agree. Absolutely. Uh, some of some of the other guys that are important, you know, I mean, you know, another position that we've always talked about is is uh, always got some sort of speaking point is is linebacker and Antonio Doyle is is a guy that has been talked about a lot. Um, he'll be taking his official visit to Missouri the same weekend that we're talking about McGowan coming to um, Texas A and M, but then he'll be uh, at Texas A and M for his official on the twenty first. You know, and it, and it doesn't really seem I, I've heard I've heard mentions of Oklahoma with him as well, but it doesn't really seem like uh, it's it's much ser- more serious than a two horse race between Mizzou and A&M. And, uh, you know, so, I mean, I I think he's another I think he's another name to watch out for as far as, uh, you know, likely commit, um, you know, com- coming up here this summer, considering, you know, there's only there's only so many guys that we know are definitely taking official visits. Uh, so far, I mean, w- more names will more names will come up here in the next couple of weeks. But but as far as the guys that we know coming out into June, um, but but he's he's a guy that he's a guy that was very positive about A and M since he was offered by them. Um, has a good relationship with Coach uh, Coach Finley, you know, from from his days in in Missouri, and you know that that's paying some dividends here. So we'll see if uh, you know we'll see, hey, that, that's another position where you can say how many do you think they take, right? I mean, obviously they tried to they tried to load up in the last class, but I mean, I I, th- I still think that a lot of people would suggest that you know maybe depth can continue to be something that needs to be built at, at, at all linebacker positions. No question, man. And, and you know, you just brought something up that that I think is an interesting point here that we haven't really discussed a whole lot. Um, how big do you think the addition of the Joe John Finleys or Josh Hansons or, or you know, the, these new uh, staffers have played in, I guess, what you would call a slow start to this cycle? Um, I think that from what I've heard, I mean, so so I just went out to Lake Travis's spring game the other night and talked to Lake McCree, the, the tight end at Lake Travis, about his offer from from AM, which naturally came from Joe John Finley. And he was like, you know, if Lake, if, 
is not a bad interview. He's a good interview, but he's also very like um, he, he sticks he sticks to the facts and is pretty dry about the things that he says to you. But when he started talking about Coach Finley, like he lightened up a little bit. Like he he really you know it, se- it seemed to be like there was uh, some charisma between the two of them. And I think that, you know, I think that, you know, we, we had talked about the role of the tight end coach in, in recruiting um, and how that always sends, seems to be the guy with the most personality on the staff for whatever reason. And, you know, the more I'm t- kind of talking to some guys, uh, the more I'm kind of hearing about about Finley sort of sort of being that guy. I don't think he recruits as many like I don't think he's in charge of recruiting as many players as some of the other coaches are. And we, we know that. A and M in twenty twenty has offered like five thousand defensive ends and defensive tackles. So uh, you generally hear about Coach Robinson and Terry Price a little bit more frequently. But you know, from what I've heard about the people that have dealt with Coach Finley, they've they've really liked him. Coach Henson, since he's started having guys come to visit him on campus, uh, I think I think recruits have had a, a much better grasp of who he is as a person and and what he is going to do within the program. And I think that's paid a lot of dividends as well. So you know, I, I think I think maybe it was a little bit of a slow start in the sense that I just, I just don't, you know, they had to move, they had to get settled in, they had to, uh, you know, fill out all the paperwork and so on and so forth. So, so it wasn't just like they, they were announced as hired by A&M and got right after it on the recruiting. I mean, they, they just, there was a little bit of a lull before you really started hearing their name a whole lot. But I think now that, now that they're a much more active part of, of uh, the staff's recruitment of, of certain players, I, you know, I, I'm getting the same sort of energy from recruits as you hear about a, a Bradley uh, Dale Pivido. You know, people love him, and he's—I mean—he's a recruiting animal. He's all over the place, and and people just love his personality. And it just seems like it just seems like this A and M staff is just full of like good old boys that everybody really likes. Right. Well, you know, that kind of brings me into my next question. I know we're getting a little long here, but uh, if you're going to rank these guys. You know, maybe your top three. Who do you who do you think are the top three recruiters on the staff? I think it's Pivido, uh, Robinson, and Damian Craig. Robinson kind of surprises me there. Yeah, yeah. I think. I mean, you know, Terry Price is the guy that I think is maybe in more. uh, is is maybe a little bit more out there and and starts and maybe starts building those relationships with a lot of guys, but I think I think Robinson, you know, must have just like um, he has he has more of a like a soulful sort of connection with a, with a lot of guys that that I think a lot of these recruits are gravitating to, and um, you know, just kind of seem and and he's a little bit of a younger guy versus the rest of this, you know, some of the other guys on the staff too. Right. And, you know, I've had brief interactions with them. hasn't hasn't been extended by any means, but I, I definitely get that vibe as well. You know, a very personable guy, which I think probably goes a long way, especially with parents as well. Mm-hmm. So and and you, we haven't heard Craig's name quite as much because so much of the emphasis in recruiting so far in this cycle has been more about the defensive guys than the offensive skill players. Um, but I mean, people love how hype Craig gets too. So so I think when he when he's involved in a kid's recruitment, you know, he's he's a force to be reckoned with as well. But I think yeah, I think those are the top. And then Terry Price would be number four or three B. You know, right. So hey, listen. You know we do we do this all the time. Uh, we always say we got nothing to talk about, and then here we are an hour later, uh, you know, with a full full podcast and sore throats. So thanks everybody for listening. We know it's been a couple of weeks. We'll start getting on it. Uh, you, me and Chum, let, let's make a resolution. Let's make a summer's resolution to uh, start brainstorming. You know what we want to talk about on the podcast more than more than ten minutes before we hit the record button. Hey, I like um, it. 
because because I you know I think we I think I you know we're, as as we're starting to see these tweets this this many days before college football season starts or whatever you know that just kind of that just kind of shows that people are waiting for it and I don't think we necessarily have to talk strictly Aggie so we'll start talking about uh, let, let's start thinking about what we want to talk about maybe maybe not like conference previews but but we'll start we'll start thinking about um, you know some betting lines or some some other things that we can talk about kind of. Heisman hopefuls that, that kind of bridge the uh, you know get, they kind of quench your college football thirst. So we'll get into that. Let's let's uh, start planning to be a little bit more frequent. Thanks for sticking with us. We appreciate all of our loyal listeners. Give us a review. Uh, hit that subscribe button. Follow us on Twitter. I'm at to98 underscore Krug. Chum of course is at Chumley Colton. And uh, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week.